Well, it is time for The View from Victoria and time for us to check in with Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. There is a reason why we have veered away from Taylor Swift and we are playing this song this morning. And that is because you have gone from, if I'm getting this correctly, somebody who didn't own a bike and had not been riding bikes at all to doing a lot of training on the bike. Yeah, I think the last bike I owned was when I was a teenager, maybe one of those old BMX bikes. But uh, I, at the legislature, uh, advanced education minister Selena Robinson, um, who is a cancer survivor, announced uh, in February that uh, she had had her cancer return. And a number of us at the legislature, you know, asked, well, is there anything we can do? And her ask was, join me on the Tour de Cure, which is BC Cancer Foundation's big fundraiser. Uh, where you cycle for two days from uh, Surrey to Hope. Uh, and I said, yes. Oh, yeah, sure. Of course. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, looked it up later and thought, oh, my God, what have I done? Uh, you know, 200 kilometers over two days, lots of people, you know, on all those tight Lycra outfits. And uh, so, but I, I crash coursed it. And the uh, event was on the weekend. It raised $7.1 million for cancer research uh, and clinical trials and all sorts of programs, uh, and it was a blast. I, 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 you know, I know it's been going for a number of years, and you pro- a lot of people have probably uh, known someone who has done the ride or been involved in it. But man, what a what a great event, uh, and uh, and what an awesome time. Well, and I see you've posted some pictures of it, and it does look like everybody's having a great time and really coming together and raising money for find for cancer treatments and finding the the cure. How was it though that the physical part, going from a no bike guy to then taking it on that distance for the weekend? Yeah, I mean your butt hurts. That's, that's the single biggest thing to to put it uh, bluntly. That's you're sitting on this uh, on the saddle for six hours at a time. Uh, it was it was quite an experience, and you know it's surprising what your body can do uh, and what you can kind of push yourself to do. And so that I, you know, and I may stick with biking. I, I used to kind of laugh at uh, all the people biking around town, and sometimes I still do. Um, but <laughs> but. Uh, it really is kind of a rush to get out there and, and sort of cycle around. So that uh, that may stick with me in the future. I might be one of those guys, you know, um, all decked out in the fall with all the rain gear, <laughs> cycling through the rain, looking like a weirdo. I, I don't know. But uh, it was a really great, um, you know, you felt like you were doing something good for a good cause. And this event was fantastic. The air quality, as everyone knows, on the weekend was awful. And as you got up into the Fraser Valley, it just got worse and worse and worse. So that was a that was a bit of an issue, but uh, but it was great. Yeah, thanks to everyone for their support over the months. That uh, we had a we had a pie the press contest. I don't know if you were aware of that yes. uh, fundraiser where Vaughn Palmer got pied in the face uh, to raise money for cancer research. Keith Baldry, uh, all the legends of the press gallery. That was a big highlight too. So the, the politicians enjoyed that. Yes, I remember seeing that. That was a fun one to to watch and not actually be part of it on the receiving end of any of the pies, but a a fun one to watch. Uh, It it must be nice, too. uh, Looking at some of the photos, I don't know if there's a story behind uh, the bright red pom-pom type things that you all have on the helmets, but clearly everyone's having a good time and, and putting politics aside and just coming together for this event. 
Yeah, Selena Robinson has been doing it now for 15 years. And so she's put together a team and they have these kind of red sort of pom-poms on the top, which allow you to spot each other in a crowd of 1,500, 2,000 cyclists. And you can you can locate your team and, and get out there. Um, yeah, so it, it's, uh, it's really a, an event that she's kind of pushed. I think she has raised almost $850,000 over the years alone uh, with mm-hmm. her team for cancer research and She's continuing to get to that. She wants to get to that million dollar mark. So next year, more pies, more. But I'm doing a lot of cat related activities uh, that uh, help raise money. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be on it next year for sure. <laughs> did you reach your fundraising goal this year? I did. Yeah, I got almost eight thousand dollars and, and uh, I deployed all sorts of fundraising techniques. But I'm not I'm not I'm not really good at that part of it. So next year, I'll next year, I'll do a little bit better. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned cat activities, and uh, you have a page on the Tour de Cure page, and I know you've posted it as well, the cat that's wearing a very stylish bike helmet and goggles. Uh, could that potentially be the next legislature cat? I would love to. You know, the legislature cat was an idea. I actually, to raise some money for this, I started a Twitter account called BC Politicat, and the only thing that it does is it photoshops a cat into all of those photo ops that government and, and other parties do. So, you know, there would be David Eby. He was checking out a tractor and I photoshopped a cat onto the tractor. Or there was a, a housing event where there was a big construction site behind it. And I put the cat into the backhoe that was doing all the work and that kind of thing. So I, that has raised a little bit of money, too. And it's kind of fun to do. And uh, the cat stuff, people like the cat stuff transcends political lines, I find, that the legislature brings all these politicians together. So... It's been a lot of fun. Continuing now with Rob Shaw, political correspondent with Czech News. And Rob, you have written about this. Uh, I found this very interesting. A local company that makes helicopter wildfire buckets that sells them all around the world, but doesn't sell them in Canada. What's happening here? Yeah, it's really interesting. I didn't know that the world's largest manufacturer, the company that has the market cornered on those wildfire fighting water buckets, the big orange ones that hang below almost all the helicopters in the world is based out of Delta. And it just quietly sells, you know, millions of dollars of these buckets to countries around the world, more than 100. And 51 of those countries' militaries, like the United States and Germany and Spain and Japan, they use the buckets to fight wildfires. And it's kind of become a question the company has sort of had and others, you know, in BC are having about, should our federal government be doing more to help provinces fight wildfires? And this company is pointing out, look, like we sell these buckets to the National Guard in the United States who pitches in and helps the the um, different states fight wildfires. You could get all of or most of Canada's 100 helicopters equipped with these buckets for $15 million, which is, you know, pennies in the Department of National Defense budget. And then they could come out and help provinces dropping, uh, you know, water and fire retardants when is needed uh, in the summer, like other countries do. And so that shift to the federal government is something that Premier David Eby is exploring as well. What resources could we better get from the feds than just asking the military for help and kind of getting sort of limited help every year? If we need to continue to appeal to Ottawa, maybe Ottawa should be stepping up and helping the provinces in certain ways. And it's it's an active discussion 
going on right now. Uh, and I found too, and you wrote about the fact that this company keeps a pretty low profile and does uh, these sales around the world, but it's the company now, isn't it? That's asking, well, why isn't, uh, why aren't we selling in Canada and why, why aren't these buckets being used to fight the wildfires here? Yeah. And I mean, obviously they have a financial interest in selling those buckets, uh, but at the same time, they are a long standing from since the 1970s local company that essentially it doesn't need to sell them to Canada. It sells them to everywhere else in the world, but it's employees and it's managers are asking, you know, why, why is our military different? And why is it that all these other countries can do this and pitch in and help and Canada can't? And, you know, the answer from the department of national defense is it's not really interested in doing that, it would have to train its uh, its helicopter pilots in additional elements of firefighting, uh, and it's dangerous, and they don't want uh, really to go down that road. But a lot of other countries do it very effectively, very easily. The, the buckets plug and play into the types of helicopters that Canada has that are no different uh, than the types of helicopters that other countries have. And so the company is just kind of asking, like, you know, in our backyard, when our province is burning down and fires are getting worse every year, why doesn't the military pitch in? And I know David Eby has asked the emergency minister federally, which is Harji uh, Sajjan from uh, Vancouver, is this the kind of thing, could we have a federal um, water bomber fleet, a federal helicopter fleet that the provinces could use and help supplement their contractors? And that's a that's an active discussion going on. Right, because it seems a bit strange that on the one hand, they're talking about this idea of a national firefighting team and looking into that. But if you're not going to expand the role of the military or expand that role to have water uh, bombers or helicopters that can drop water, it doesn't seem like it would be all that effective, at least not in that sense and in, in, not in that area. No, I mean, right now, the Canadian military, when you ask for help, it shows up and, it, you know, right now, for example, in the, the most recent round, it opened up a military camp in Vernon for evacuees, or sometimes it sends some sort of frontline army personnel who can help with the digging out in the forest, uh, you know, digging uh, fire lines and that type of thing. But it doesn't fight the fires. It doesn't, the military, does. it can evacuate people, it can, uh, you know, provide assistance, but it doesn't fight Fires, And that's the fundamental question that I think provinces are asking this year is, could they, should they, do we need a different national firefighting unit? That is very complicated. It, you know, it's a provincial jurisdiction. If you create a national firefighting, um, you know, arm of the government, who is in command of it? How does it work? How complicated does it get? So that's a kind of separate thing. But being able to call in the military for help and have them drop some water that's that's a, a slightly lesser, easier thing to get your head around, and it wouldn't cost a lot of money. And um, it's, uh, you know, we'll see what the prime minister who just toured through the Okanagan uh, has to say uh, to the premiers as this comes up. We'll see. Uh, you're right. A very active conversation. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes, but I'm also curious, uh, Rob, about this uh, accusation, the NDP accusing BC United of going after people's personal information. Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a nothing burger, but the NDP came out strong saying that the BC United had asked for donations to the Red Cross, created a microsite, and they were data mining uh, people's information, despicable data mining, as uh, Ravi Parmar, an NDP MLA, said. Well, it turns out that this is kind of the default setting when you fundraise for the Red Cross because you get uh, basically a list of uh, how much money you've helped raise this organization, uh, which is helping with the wildfires. It doesn't give out your name or personal information to those third parties. So BC United was not data mining. 
Um, it ended up being a kind of blowing back on them because the Red Cross had to come out and say that it wasn't doing that and uh, change its settings and kind of waste its time in the middle of an emergency. Uh, so BC United would like an apology from the NDP on that one. I don't think they're going to get it. Um, but uh, a bit of a kind of nothing burger that now there is data mining going on. Like you'll, you'll see stuff like, Hey, it's David Eby's birthday. Click here and sign his birthday card. <laughs> and then suddenly you're on the NDP mailing list for the rest of your life and they want money from you and that type of thing. But that's, that's not what this ended up being. Uh, and it kind of was a dust up late last week that, that didn't uh, go anywhere despite a lot of back and forth between the parties. Yeah, it also seems like something, if you're going to make that accusation, maybe do five minutes of research to make sure it's accurate. <laughs> well, that, you know, better to beg for forgiveness later than ask for permission is one of the, you know, the old lines in politics. Throw it out there, throw the mud and see what sticks. But it didn't really stick in this case. All right, Rob, thank you so much for this. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. OK, take care.